Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. We're back in the book of 2 Kings. We're going to be looking at chapter 7 and 8 today. Um, when we left off last week in chapter 6, we were having a great famine, and there was even cannibalism going on uh, last time, and it was because of ben Hadans. Uh He was king of Syria. He was sieging Samaria. So, again, Syria, that's where the Assyrians were coming from. And so... Um, you know, the siege was on, famine was on, it was desperate times. So now we come in chapter 7, Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord, thus says the Lord, Tomorrow, about this time, a sheet of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two sheaves of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. In other words, he's saying... Um, Things are the prices for food is going to be low tomorrow, and that means the famine is going to be over. And as McGee was teaching, famines usually don't resolve themselves like the next day. It takes time to you know plant things and have things to grow, and you know harvest things. I mean, it takes time to even recover from a famine. Um, even if you can, so but he's saying tomorrow you you know food's going to be cheap, and uh, so people are probably thinking that sounds great, but how is that going to happen? So um, in any event, verse three. Now there were four men who were lepers at the entrance to the gate. Okay, and they said to one another, "Why are we sitting here till we die?" Um, if we say, let us enter the city, you see these, the, at the gate of Samaria, they couldn't come into the, they couldn't come in. And so they're just saying, we're going to die out here one way or the other. Well, why are we sitting here till we die? If we say, let us enter the city, the famine is in the city, uh, and we will die there because there's a famine. But if we sit here, we're going to die also. So they say, now let us come, go over to the camp of the Syrians. If they spare our lives, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall die. So in other words, if we go into the city of Samaria, 
we're going to die there because there's famine and people are dying there already. If we sit here, we're going to die. If we, then the Syrians are outside the city, we can go into their camp. Maybe they'll let us live or they'll kill us. So we got four choices. Three of those choices, we die. One, they spare us and might give us something to eat. We'll take those odds. Verse 5, so they arose at twilight to go to the camp. This is the camp of the Syrians who are sieging the city. But when they came to the edge of the camp of the Syrians, behold, there was no one there. For the Lord had made the army of the Syrians hear the sound of chariots and of horses, the sound of a great army, so that they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to come against us. Verse 7, So they fled away in the twilight, abandoned their tents, their horses, their donkeys, leaving the camp as it was, and fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the edge of the camp, they went into a tent and ate and drank and carried off silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. And they came back and entered another tent and carried off things from it and went and hid them. In other words, they found the whole camp full of food, gold, animals, all abandoned. God had provided this miracle. Verse 9, then they said to one another, if we're, we're not doing right, this day is a day of good news. If we're silent and we wait until the morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now, therefore, come, let us go, let us tell the king's household. So they came and called to the gatekeepers of the city and told them, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there's no one to be seen or heard there, nothing but horses tied and the donkeys tied and the tents as they were. Okay, so great joy. And basically, the people came in and got food and were able to survive. And um, and that's just, this is what Elisha had said the day before. And McGee was teaching this like this was a day of good tidings. This is a day of good news. You can't just keep good news to yourself. You got to tell others. And so often as Christians, this is a good lesson for us to learn. We're like lepers. We're all dying in famine. And when we have good tidings of good news, of life, it's, it's like lepers sitting at the gate, going into the city, having more food than you can imagine, and not telling people in the city, dying, that there's food to eat. That's like us as Christians. Let's not be cold inside to understand today is a day of good tidings and good news. Now we come to chapter 8. Elisha had said to the women, the woman whose son he had restored to life, Arise and go with your household and sojourn wherever you can, for the Lord is called a famine. And it would be upon the land for seven years. This is most likely why, because 
Israel, the nation, is wandering from, from God's teachings. And God's not providing anymore. And there's people who need to suffer and perish because of that. God always saves a remnant of his people. But he will punish the evil. So there's a famine. The woman rose and did according to what? To the word of the man of God. She went with her household and sojourned in the land of the Philistines seven years. At the end of seven years, when the woman returned from the land of the Philistines, she went to appeal to the king for her house and her land. Now the king was was talking with Gezi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me all the great things that Elisha has done. And while he was telling the king how Elisha had restored the dead to life, behold, a woman whose son he had restored to life appeared to the king for her house and her land. And Gezi said, My lord king, here is the woman, and here is her son, whom Elisha had restored to life. And when the king asked the woman, she told him, so the king appointed an official for her, saying, Restore all that was hers, together with all the produce of the fields, from the day that she left until the land, until she left the land until now. That's great. So we get a picture of restoration here, being restored, being restored by the Word of God. We all need to be restored. And as we come home from a big famine, as we come home, sinners as we are, as we come home in Christ, we're restored. A picture of restoration here. Now, verse 7, now Elisha came to Damascus. Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, was sick. Okay, He's always trying to make war on um, Israel. He's been sieging the Syrians. Look at this big famine that they had just gone through. Now Ben-Hadad is sick. And when it was told him, the man of God has come here, the king said to Hazel, Take a present with you and go and meet the man of God and inquire of the Lord through him, saying, Shall I recover from this sickness? Now, we don't know who Hazel is, according to my study Bible. You know, there's no lineage here. He could have been his son. Um, he could have been a messenger. We don't know. But in any event, Hazel just kind of comes in mysteriously. He says to Hazel, Go find out if I'm going to get better. So, uh, verse 9, Hazel went to meet him and took a present with him and all kinds of goods of Damascus, 40 camel loads. Look at that. So, when he came and stood before him, he said, Your son Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, has sent me to you, saying, Shall I recover from this sickness? Now, look what Elisha says to him. This you don't want to miss, because I've read it a couple of times already. And Elisha said to him, Go... Say to him, you shall certainly recover, but the Lord has shown me that he shall certainly die. Now, you can take this two ways. You can take this the way like, you can tell him he's going to recover, but we know he's going to die anyway. Kind of wink, wink. Or you can you can take this that Elisha is completely telling the truth. He shall recover, but... He's going to die anyway. So you could take this that he is telling 
Hazel that he's going to recover, but he's going to die because you are going to murder him. So he is going to recover, but unfortunately he's going to die because you're going to murder him anyway. So he's telling two truths here, but Hazel has no idea that he's telling He's being told that he's going to murder the king. So, and he fixed his gaze and stared at him. This is Elisha fixing his gaze on Hazel until he was embarrassed, until Hazel was embarrassed. And the man of God wept. And Hazel said, why does my Lord weep? And he said, because I know the evil that you will do to the people of Israel. You will set fire You will set on fire their fortresses, and you will kill their young men with the sword, and dash in pieces their little ones, and rip open their pregnant women. And Hazel said, What is your servant, who is but a dog, that he shall do this great thing? Elisha answered, The Lord has shown me that you are to be king over Syria. Now, Hazel could have been a messenger He could have been a servant, or he could have been a son. We don't know his lineage, but let's just say he was a son. He knows he's going to be king now because his father's going to die. But he could have been a messenger or a servant, and he knows that he's just been told that Ben-Hadad, the king's going to die, and he's going to be king. So, Or maybe he's just been given a green light. Or maybe... Hearing that news that he's going to be king is going to put in his heart to murder the king. But Elisha has told him that the king will live, but he will also die. So somebody's going to murder this king. And then he departed from Elisha and came to his master. Again, his master, in other words, maybe, you know, he's not a son, a natural son, who said to him, what did Elisha say to you? And he answered, he told me that you would certainly recover. Now, that's true, but that's not the whole truth, is it? But the next day, he took the bedcloth and dipped it in water and spread it over his face till he died. And Hazel became king in his place. Okay, so the prophecy there came true. And Hazel murdered the king. And it seems like it's probably not his son, because what son would murder their father? In any event, there we go. Verse 16, In the fifth year of Joram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel, when Jehoshaphat was king of Judah, Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, who's in the north, began to reign. He was 32 years old when he became king, and he reigned eight years in Jerusalem. So we've got Jehoram now king, eight years, and he walked in the way of the kings of Israel as the house of Ahab had done for the daughters, for the daughter of Ahab was his wife. So Jehoram is son of Jehoshaphat, and he was a bad king, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. So now we've got a bad king. In the north. And we come on down to the end. So Jehoram slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. And Ahaziah, his son, reigned in his place. So after 
uh, Jehoram, we got Ahaziah. Okay, and Ahaziah was 22 years old when he began to reign. And he walked in the house of Ahab and did evil in the sight of the Lord. So Ahaziah um, was a lousy king too. He went with Jehoram, who is uh, not Jehoram, but Joram, the son of Ahab, to make war against Hazel, king of Syria. Okay, and the Syria the Syrians wounded Joram, and King Joram reper, re, returned. Um, now. King Joram, again, is king of the north. He goes back home. He's got wounds that the Syrians had given him. And um, Ahazah, the son of Jehoram, um, king of Judah, went down to see Joram because he was sick. All right, so we got a sick king in the north, and that's where we... We come to the end of chapter 8. So, we've got a couple of bad kings, and they're still fighting the Syrians to the north. They are not leading the people back in the right ways. They are not doing very well on the battlefield. They are not doing very well domestically because the, all they're doing is is they're having sieges. The Assyrians you know, have been sieging the Sumerian, the northern kingdom country, and you've got famines, and uh, certainly many, many false prophets running running around, but we've got Elisha, who is, you know, a voice of truth, but no one's listening to him. So, we're going to stop here. We'll uh, continue our study through the book of 2 Kings. As always, from me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your hearts centered on Christ on this great spiritual battlefield. We'll see you next time tomorrow. And as always, our prayers go up for sweet Emma and sweet Jean, as well as for Matali, who's traveling, and Audrey, who is with her. God bless you all, and we'll see you next time here tomorrow.